0: Super excited about this week's episode it comes right from the vaults of our virtual pride that we had in june with make it better for youth and rutgers university and of course queer teen podcast it's called come out come out wherever you are a live podcast recording of coming out stories on our panel we featured brendan creevy tiger thundercat and jose richard aviles please enjoy Hi everyone, uh, my name is Anthony Giorgio from Queer Teen Podcast.
1: I'm Kate Oakson. I'm from Make It Better for Youth.
0: And welcome to our first live event for Pride 2020, Emerging, Surviving, Celebrating. Uh, for our first one, it's called Come Out, Come Out Wherever You Are. Yay! Um, just so everybody knows, this is also being recorded live, so uh, you can see it later if you are unable to see it now. Um, Welcome, welcome. Before we begin anything, I wanted to introduce Karen Roy A. She is our ASL interpreter. There she is. Um, And I want to talk a little bit about uh, Juneteenth really quick before we do anything and move on. I just want to read a little bit of what it is so we all understand that uh, it is a holiday celebrated on 19th of June to a commemorate All
1: right,
0: (laughs) the emancipation of enslaved people in the US. The holiday was first celebrated in Texas, where on that date in 1865, in the aftermath of the Civil War, slaves were declared free under the terms of the 1862 emancipation. However, Texas uh, did not free their slaves for an additional two and a half years um, during that time. And then they finally were like, oh, yeah, you are free. So I just wanted to pay homage to that. That is what's happening today. There's a lot happening in the world right now, and um, we want to show as much respect as we possibly can. I know we're all on social media, we're following the news, we're doing our work, um, and it's just starting. So yeah, but this is part of the work too. And we want to hear from our fabulous guests that we have on um, to talk about their journey and tell their stories of who they are, where they're from, and how they came out, because coming out, we all know, is very different for a lot of people. You, have, you, can, you can do it in many, many ways, and in many, many phases in your life, and in many, many stages in your life. So I liked for our guests to introduce themselves. So that's all they're going to do right now, and then we'll get into the conversations of um, how it all happened for them. So the first person I want to introduce is Brendan Creevey. Hello.
2: Hi. I'm Brendan Creevey from Marlboro, New Jersey. I'm a licensed hairstylist and makeup artist, if you couldn't tell. I identify as agender, heterosexual. Um, My pronouns, I don't really care. You can use whatever pronouns make you feel most comfortable. He, they, she. Doesn't really make a difference to me as long as it's done in respect, um, respectful tone, and not like a degrading sense, like "oh she." You know what I'm trying to say by that. Um, so yeah, that's me.
0: Cool. And then my next guest is Jose Richard Aviles. Aviles.
3: Hi everyone. My name is Jose Richard Aviles. Um, I am. Uh, from South Central Los Angeles, I'm here in the West Coast in Los Angeles. I use he, him, they, them pronouns, and I am an artist, social worker, and transportation planner.
0: And a very good dancer, I might add. And then my ne- our next guest is Tigra Thundercat. <laughs>
4: Hi, my name is Tigra T. Sarai. I live here in the Twin Cities of Minneapolis, but I'm originally from Scottsdale, Arizona. My pronouns are they, them, pickle. I'll tell you about that later in this in this podcast. I am a social justice leader, um, dialogue facilitator. I am a former nurse and currently right now I'm in my master's program for gender, sexuality and women's studies.
0: I love it. First of all, we want to both thank you all for joining us here. Um, This means a lot to a lot of people um that are both follow our networks make it better for youth and queer teen podcast and i know all of the work that you guys do or the organizations that you're a part of um it really says a lot about you for showing up and taking the time out of this um crazy time that we're all going to and experiencing a lot of social justice movements that are happening right now uh, for black lives black trans lives um and killing of black people
1: uh, there's like a, a lot of labor to share, that I recognize in sharing a story. And I'm really grateful for you being here. Primarily, I work with high school-age kids. And I'm really hopeful that these stories and the recording will be able to be shared in educational environments. And um, I'm looking forward to to you know opening that window to a world beyond exactly where we are in this moment um, with your shared stories this evening. So thank you.
0: So I'll start by sharing how I came out of the closet. Um, really quick. I was 16 years old and I told my mother on her bed that I was bisexual and being my mother and I love her to death, she told me to pick one and I said, I don't have to pick one. I can do whatever I want. Um, This was in 1998. So I came out and most of my friends told me, "Uh uh-huh. Okay, we know. And then I quickly I was very lucky because I have a little few gay people in my family and so they had paved the way for me to experience this and then my once I came out my brother came out and then my best friend Jason came out and my friend Melissa came out so we all came out literally like weeks apart um, it was actually pretty cool and then the girl I was dating I switched and went to Todd uh, my first boyfriend uh, we were doing the sound of music he was Rolf and um, she didn't like that very much but it doesn't matter I did and so i had a pretty cool i had a cool experience i don't i don't have anything i, I was fortunate to bring my boyfriend to the prom in 2000 um, and i was nervous as heck but i still did it and i had a pretty supportive group of friends so i would like to see no one was gonna do anything to me or around you know they might have said stuff but i don't i don't know i was oblivious so uh i was just having sex with boys so i did not care um and that's the truth So that was like, and I was in the theater and I took dance and I went to an art school. So like, it was all kind of designed in a way for me and I'm from Massachusetts. It's a pretty blue state and we pass a lot of firsts for a lot of things. So it wasn't, and I dated when I I dated my first boyfriend, my first long-term boyfriend was into politics. He went to UMass Amherst and he literally checked all the boxes. Um, So it was, it was pretty fantastic. And that's just a little bit about um, my experience. And I know it's different for everybody. Um, of course, I've been called faggot. I've been spit at. I've been all those things. But, um, and I'm still afraid to hold my husband's hand in certain places, but that's the, wor- the world we've created. Doesn't necessarily make us feel comfortable doing that sometimes. So, but that's just my story and I'm sticking to it. So that's a little story, but you guys are here to really tell your stories as well. And I want to hear some of them. So let's see, let me pull into my hat. Boom. Brendan, you go first. Oh, okay. Literally, <laughs> I was about to close my... Right? Uh, <laughs> literally, I'll just ask you a question so you can kind of um, go off of that. This goes through, okay, sure. uh what way did you come out, how, and when?
2: So the interesting thing that I'm bringing to the table is that I have never really had an official coming out in like an official capacity where I've just sat with my parents both together and told them how I identified. Um, because I look pretty much like a guy, like a boy. I've never done any transitioning, um, to try and fit into another physical box. And so I'm very feminine expressing as well. So all of my life people just was like, oh, he's gay. Right. So I've had the sort of luxury of people knowing that I'm queer, but not knowing how I actually identify. Um, Especially when it came to me going to high school and really understanding, oh, there's more than just two genders, and that's where I really fit into um, everything. Um, I consider my coming out is me having personal discussions with everyone that I come in contact to that I know I'm going to be spending relatively long amounts of time with. um, Because I want them to know how this um, plays into my life and that it's, it's who i am basically um i did come out technically to both my parents but their response were
1: different
2: and my mother's a little bit more easygoing to things than my dad how stereotypical is that um hold on just a second are we good are you able to still hear me and see me yep. we are having terrible wi-fi connection i'm sorry mm-hmm. okay good um you. really good so story. i did help my mom first I did tell my mother first, and she was like, Oh, okay. My dad uh, doesn't budge from where he stands in his head too far. Um, He's not an ang, It, it wasn't, when I told him, it wasn't an angry response. It was more just like a neglect to really fully comprehend what I was trying to tell him and a fear of him not wanting to go outside of the realm of his traditional thinking. That's mm-hmm. a strong word, not traditional, just the way he's been thinking. Mm-hmm. Literally, I was out at Asbury Park Boardwalk with my friend Michael and he was like, so tell me about this whole non-binary gender thing. And I was like, so, and I started to engage in the conversation. And then at the point where I started to explain how I identified, he was like, nope, nope, I'm good. You know, like a seemingly comedic tone, but it just felt a little off-putting, but as I said before, earlier, I have the luxury of being able to be perceived as queer right off the bat, but not the luxury of having people understand how exactly I identify. Even when I'm wearing makeup and I have my hair done, we have people in media who are men who wear makeup, like James Charles and Jeffree Star and who, what have you. So it, it just further emphasized, like, oh, you can be a gay man and wear makeup, which is totally cool. Live your own best life. Live your best life be gay and wear makeup that's awesome but that's not how i am yeah
0: yeah. no it's an interesting like you said with your friend joking joking about that but it's there's such a fine line right like this is what's going on right now in the world and this is like if you make jokes about it we all got accustomed to joking about it and then we normalize the fact that you're trying to be yourself and you can't be because someone made a joke about it yeah and and they're your friend not that we're being malicious but it wasn't my friend it was my dad Oh, your dad, sorry. My dad. I have been very lucky to
2: have a very fantastic friend support group um, Mm -hmm. who have been able to fully understand me since day one. Mm -hmm. Have I come in contact with people who have made fun of me and have bullied me? Of course, that's unfortunately kind of part of the game. For a lot of people, it's a lot worse. And I will have it a lot worse that my heart goes out and I want to find ways that I can support and help people. I've been made fun of for being non-binary. I've had the whole helicopter uh, joke been made before in my presence. It's not fun. Yeah. Um, but the fact yeah. that you did, I the fact the the fact the you told your
0: dad, before, the fact that you had that conversation with dad, that's pretty cool. Because a yeah. lot of people he
2: forgets a lot, though. He forgets it a lot. He's like, yeah. "Wait, you're not a guy?" I'm like, "It's okay. We've had this
1: conversation, but <laughs> oh, whatever." Now, <laughs> all right.
0: I'm gonna I'm gonna move on to Tigra.
4: Uh, which time do you want because I've technically well, okay, so <laughs> it's, it's such
0: a great question is- <laughs> I knew the- something told me you were gonna tell me that that's why I prefer how and when and where um, uh, give us just give us your journey as a whole because I, I mean I've spoken to you because we met on the cruise ship and everything but um, tell everybody your journey that's okay. that's pretty awesome. Just go for it.
4: Well in this life that I'm living I've had the privilege of coming out three times and each time I've learned a little bit more about myself.
1: Yes.
4: And um, so I guess I'll start at the beginning. I am adopted. Uh, I was originally born in Omaha, Nebraska. Then my adopted parents moved me to Arizona where I grew up in a very suburban white as Hillary Clinton type neighborhood where all the houses were the same. Everybody drove kind of the same as that car. I did I was I'm homeschooled also. So I did gymnastics and cheerleading and uh and dance as my extracurricular IT and then I was homeschooled. Um I it was about I was like eight years old. Not eight years Oh my God. I was about eighth grade. Eighth grade. I was about eighth grade going into ninth grade, got my first boyfriend and the whole sex thing was like coming up and into and I was like oh what is this I don't know nothing about this what's 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 this and um mom walked in on me and my boyfriend almost in the act um so like my mom did not know that the friend who was always coming over to my house was my boyfriend That's- so (laughs) so like we're on the bed and you're sitting next to each other and you know his shirt's off and like you know i he's leaning in i'm leaning in kisses happening mom walks in with a whole basket of laundry and like we're just sitting there like hey Hey, uh, and um, I was, and it was, it was in a state of shock, you know, because like my parents, I'm sure that my parents knew, but no, no one had the conversation with me, like if you are, what you are, what are you leaning towards? Do you like girls? Do You like boys? Type of conversations. Yeah, it yeah. was kind of just like that taboo conversation. No one wanted. It was like a cat just wanting to knock off something off the counter, but no one wanted to knock it off the counter.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: And so after this incident, my parents and me sat down, and you know, my parents. Way of handling it was here are a bunch of pamphlets about sex, here's everything that can go wrong, here's a whole bunch of condoms, and we don't want to talk about it.
0: It Here's a whole bunch of condoms. Leave us alone, bye.
4: Exactly. So I was left with so many questions. (laughs) And I kind of just like it, it was something that I wasn't sure if I actually was gay. I just knew that I liked the physique of a man. And (laughs) the the normal thing for me around that time you know, was just to go with the flow. And since I felt like I was friends with a lot of girls and I emulated a lot of women, this happened to be the thing that I gravitated to. Okay.
3: Um,
4: it wasn't until I hit college where me and my parents actually sat down and had a real actual conversation about what it was being gay, what things in the house made me feel uncomfortable, what things that they said that made me feel uncomfortable, what things I needed to change within our relationships and our dynamics, um, which that also was short-lived also because while I was in college, both my parents passed away. Oh. Um, but I did get the chance to have conversations with them where I knew I was accepted, I was loved, and that they did know they just didn't want to talk about it because being their adopted child, they didn't want anything to come off in any way that they didn't want me, so that was tip that was like the first phase of Tigra coming out. Um, the second phase was after college. I moved back to Omaha, Nebraska, and I started going to college at UNO and Clarkson College for my nursing degree. And um, at this time, I was flamboyantly gay that you could see me from two miles away and know that I was gay. Good. Um, and I owned it. <laughs> I um,
0: owned it. I know you
4: did. <laughs> That's where drag came into my life. I was in my sophomore, junior year of college, and I was like, nursing school is hard. It's rough. There's tons of tests. <laughs> and I needed something to blow off steam. And so I went to Iowa Western to watch a play called Men La Mancha, which is one of my favorite plays. And the uh, person who was playing Alcidonia was uh, a drag queen and i was starstruck i was like who is this person what are they doing i can do it better i want to meet them and so (laughs) i walked up to them and was like hey what's your name how do i do this turns out the bar was not that far away from my apartment they brought me down to the bar put me on stage on my first night i performed and then i was like i like this this is great and I got to emulate what I've been wanting to emulate for so many years. I got to put on breasts and, and fill these little rice bags with a bra that was way too small to create cleavage. I got to put on heels and no one pointed or left. I got to use my actual hair and whip it around and people were paying me money. Like they were giving me money. And I was like, how could this not be fun? And that is what pushed me to become the woman that I wanted to become, which was Tigra. So that's when I decided to transition from the male body that I was consuming for so long and then I transitioned into a transgender woman at that time and became Tigra and got the boobs and the hormones and now I got the nails and the hair and ta -ta da da. And then now I'm 28 years old. This is the last time I hope I have to come out of my life. being a part hey, of right. it is good.
0: I mean, you're like, I got this. I got, I got it. I got it. I got
4: it. I got it. Like coming out again for the third time, who would have thought, who would have knew but I now identify as non-binary and what that means for me now within my life is that I'm just comfortable with the male is of my idea of what it is to be male and what my idea is to be female and I fluctuate between both of those on the spectrum. You know, a lot of times a lot of transgender people in the morning we spend a lot of energy when we wake up deciding what we want to put on just to either visas passing or how we're going to assimilate to the world that doesn't want us and i just got to the point that i was like screw it i'm happy putting on joggers and a baggy t-shirt and if you call me a dude that day then fine i am a dude and then some days i want my nails my high heels my curls and a lip gloss and you are going to respect me because i am a w o m a n and you're just gonna love me because that is it on! exactly And that has been like the most opening and engaging part of my life currently right now because I'm no longer assimilating to what my idea is to pass in this social norm that a lot of people have this conception of when trans people want to transition and we all want to be cis passing. Mm -hmm. Though there is a privilege in being passing and I do that on a day-to-day basis just because of like the gifts that my parents have given me of, you know, the cheekbones and and the melanin and the hair and all that good stuff. But I now in this, I guess I will call it a third trimester of my LGBTQIA, (laughs) we'll call it my third trimester of like (laughs) being born in the uh, fullness of the queer community that now that I'm in this non-binary state, which is where pickle comes from, um, one of my pronouns is pickle, um, I'm happy, I'm happier and I will say to anyone who's having a struggle coming out, it is definitely a journey and you have to be comfortable not only with yourself, but in the surroundings of the people you involve in your life to take that step and wanting to come out. And if you feel like it's very important for you to do it or rush it, it's not. You need to be able to breathe mentally, physically, emotionally, and spiritually before taking that step because a lot there's a lot of weight that comes upon you once that door is open and not everyone's going to be stand by you shoulder that weight.
0: Wow! Thanks. That's a journey, girl. I
4: told you which one. I said I could have broken down to which one you said. I like
0: it though. I like it. I don't know
4: journey. It's a long journey, but
0: it's a great journey. I mean, listen, I have seen Tiger perform, and let me just say, I'm glad you're a drag queen. (laughs) All right. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome, Jose. Yeah. Um, first, let me
3: just uplift my co-panelists. These journeys are beautiful. And to Tigra, girl, Twin Cities. I, I'm from South Central, but I did undergrad in St. Olaf, girl, in Northfield. Oh, ooh. Uh, right. <laughs> I don't know what that means. That's, I believe you. That's a, that's a conversation. I mean, let's just say that I come from like a city, like the second largest city in the country to a town of fifteen like thousand people. Yeah. And like, a third of those people are students so it was it was a, an interesting journey but I will say that for me very much like Tiger, right like I was I laughed when you were like which one because I was like bitch me too <laughs> tell, them all.
0: Tell, them all. tell them all
3: yeah I, I also feel like I can came, came out three times and for me <sighs> The way I describe it is that I equated my queerness with being left-handed, and and I say that to say I you know I am left-handed, and we we were in elementary school and we were learning to write. Like I knew I was different because I was left-handed, but at the end of the day, we all wrote. And so for me, that same logic applied to my queerness, where it was like, okay, so most boys like girls, and then some of us, some of us are blessed liking boys, but we're all boys at the end of the day. And you know, truly, I didn't know that such a simple logic, right? Such was too much for 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 this world. Um, so the first time I really came out and I called this sort of sing, right? It was I was able to articulate my queerness was in the third grade when I asked someone to be my Valentine. And then you know, homophobia came on top of me and everything that it was. And I was like, oh my god, okay, maybe there's nothing, something wrong with me. Um, the second time I came out was when I was in ninth grade. A long time ago, but that was the first time I went to my first pride um, here in LA, and I was I I was taken taken to pride by my friend and her two dads, um, and we went, and it was amazing. And you know, it was hilarious. Somebody once gave me like a paddle, and I got to like spank somebody, and I was like, "What is this? What is this?" Yeah, as like a fourteen year old, you know what I mean, and then. You know, and then so I call that dance, right? It was a way when I was able to finally move within my sexuality. Um, And then the last time I came out, I call that smile. And it's sort of like this coming out that I came out to the most important person in my life, which is my mother. Um, And with her, I came out to her. um, And prior to that, I had started the Gay Story Alliance at my school, you know, in October for National Coming Out Day. Like I was helping folks be like, this is your queer story, do what you gotta do, like come out. And yet I had not come out to my mother. Yet. And so, what ended up happening? It was this was in 2008, um, and I specifically remember the year just because of everything that was going on at the time, right? Like it was election night. Um, president uh, Barack Obama was in was elected as president, and then Proposition 8 passed in California. And so, for folks who who may not remember this part of the of the timeline, but Proposition 8 was a uh, Was an amendment to the California Constitution that defined marriage between a man and a woman. And sort of, kind of to your point um, about Massachusetts actually made it uh, constitutional, the first state in 2006. Uh, And then California put it on the ballot in 2008. Uh, You know, there's a whole history portion that I'm like, that's the one part that I know because I was organizing a lot during that time. But I came out to my mom on. so election night is happening i'm crying my mom is like what's wrong and i was like obama and then (laughs) opposition you know (laughs) and and so at this point i was getting ready to go to minnesota right like i had gotten accepted like we're going to minnesota not knowing it was the coldest state in the country coming from l.a but that's a whole other conversation um and i remember very very much one day getting into an argument with my parents around leaving um, California, and leaving Los Angeles, and they thought I was leaving to, like, to, like, you know, just be wild and free, and a lot of that was true. <laughs> uh, part of the reason I went out of state was that I needed to go be my full queer authentic self, not that I wasn't before um, here, but it was just within living up with my parents and having to unpack all that, right, and I remember... I had a, I was going to a protest, uh, a Proposition 8 protest, right, folks were protesting, and I had a sign, and I remember waiting at a bus stop, and this complete stranger just looked at me, and we talked, and she was like, well, I love you, and I was like, well, ain't this humble? I was like, well, if this stranger can love me, my mother can, too, so (laughs) I remember running to my friend when we met up at a protest and being like, I'm coming out to my mom now, uh, tonight, and this is when MySpace was, you know, a thing, so... (laughs) um, (laughs) (laughs) Totally dating myself, girl. I posted a bulletin and I was like, "Y'all, I'm coming out. I'ma pack my bags just in
0: case." And so, good lord. (laughs)
3: <laughs> and so I had a conversation with my mom and I was like, mom, I need to talk to you. And there's something about the word gay that just sounds different in Spanish. It holds this different type of weight. So I couldn't tell her like, mom, I'm gay. But it was like more like, mom, I, I, I like boys. And we had a very long conversation. And I remember this one moment in particular where I was like, and if you want me to leave, well, I can leave. I'm already packed and ready to go. I can survive without you. Mm. And my mom was like, well, then go but go to bed because it's late. And I was like, oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Then she came up to me and hugged me. And she said, Richard, I could never like disown you. You are my first child because of you. I am a better mother. And so realizing, and she, you know, she felt that she made all the mistakes with me as the oldest. Um, She had me when she was 22 and she just felt that, you know, she made all the mistakes with me. And so now our relationship is different. It feels like, the coming out never ends, um, but I am grateful. I am grateful and blessed to be, have born queer in this life and in all lifetimes. If I could choose over and over again, I would always choose to be a queer person of color. Yeah, absolutely. These these two identities and how they reconcile with, and, and I sit with them. I think that's another coming out that moment that I had and realizing that not just being queer, right? And I've totally in the beginning was sort of conditioned by homonormativity and was like, you know, I am more femme and I identify as femme. So then of course I was all about the mask for mask life before it was a trend, Um, you know, (laughs) like more straight acting. And then I was like, girl, but that's some internalized homophobia, (laughs) like stop. And so that's been a coming out process, right? And really sitting with, for me, my queerness now, it's a, a reclamation of of, my feminine energy whilst redefining my masculine energy. Even though I do identify as femme, I am conscious of the privileges that I've I've been awarded, that have been given to me as a cis male. And I navigate that space all the time. And on top of that, I think also reconciling with the fact that I was a queer person of color that I could not separate my identity as a brown person from my identity as a queer person. You know, from the first time I went to Pride and, and noticing the bodies we consider desirable, um, the feelings of undesirability that I went through and that I, you know, kind of journeyed into now. Um, my my understanding of, of gender and sexuality and the bodies that I'm attracted to have shifted so much from when I first came out as a gay as a gay boy, um, you know, and, and now, it's interesting because with my parents, my mom and I have a really good relationship, and my mom, she's she's my girl. That's my girl. She's so funny. I am I am becoming my mother the more the older I'm getting, and I was like, oh my god, I, to the point that I apologized to her not too long ago. Um, in Spanish we have a saying is that says "con el Jesús en la boca," which translates with like with Jesus in your mouth, basically with the name of Jesus in your mouth, and it just it's it's a it's a feeling of worry, and now that I, my sister. My younger sister is a mom and I'm 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 a I'm a titi, which is my gender neutral yeah, force.
0: Yeah,
3: yeah. um, I understand that now. And so I apologized to my mom and I was like, girl, I'm so sorry for all the times I never answered the phone and I was out and about. <laughs> and so we have that relationship. And with my father, it's interesting. Three years ago. I would have said, Nah, man, I don't need my father's validation, and I still don't need it. But I don't think if I ever, I'm never gonna get married, and I would never invite my father to my wedding. But now I consider it, and the only reason I say that is that because now that I'm, I'm older. And also coming from uh, immigrant parents, now citizens, but being first generation, they look to me as the oldest, as like the one who is carrying the family legacy, who is mm. ensuring that you know my siblings are, are are whatever you know gonna be okay, and my my parents are getting older now, um, and especially as COVID kind of developed, unfolded, um, my father has come to realize that I'm the oldest. I'm the one who went to school. Like all the accomplishments that he wanted for me, like I did them and I surpassed his expectations. So now he has to deal with all of my queer shit. You know, like what I mean. Like this is this is the one. So when you want to retire, I'm the one that's working. So this is it.
0: Exactly. Exactly. So you're like, um Right. Yeah.
3: And so and so even then, I, I'm also very grateful for my nephew. My nephew has changed the dynamic in my family so much. Um, and I am completely honored to be um, my nephew's DP and to be like, I'm so glad that you met me now and not five years ago. <laughs> like, I'm so glad that we're having this relationship. So, um, you know, the coming out process, it's its never ending, um, but I always choose to be unapologetically me.
1: Yeah.
0: Thank you. Gosh, you guys. All right. That's the end. Just kidding. Um, that's a really... <laughs> These stories are so powerful and for so many different layers of things and everything. Um, uh, you are going to tell your story now. Okay. All right. Uh, one more story. <laughs> uh, but before we do, I do want to do bring up one point, that, and that's what Jose said, is that you're always coming out the rest of your life. I mean, that yeah. just know that. Like, I don't think it. that'll never stop.
1: What, what I think is really kind of fascinating is that um, when Tiger was talking about that dialogue with your parents before, and you know, and there was like how we address each other and how we negotiate and navigate these things. Like that's a kind of honesty that um, we don't always get to in our first families. And, and I'm, I'm always kind of taken with how much negotiation happens with like what parts of you come out at each of those times. Like, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm, I think what I was thinking through a lot of that is, I'm laughing with you like which time because you you move to a new city or you start a new job or there are these new people like oh my god I mean I have a son that's one part of this and coming out to like the moms on the playground is like an entirely different thing than than like the the part of me that does it in the classroom or or something like that
0: yeah I mean you you get a new job you do whatever I mean you're doing your entire life. I mean a tiger I think you're going to school so you're going to get a job after that, whatever that, you know, that just uh, and to have these dialogues with our parents. Um, I know it's hard. I mean, Brendan, you did it with your dad. I know it's hard, but it actually makes so much space for you to just be your authentic self in this world, even if it's hard. Um, it really, the outcome is so much better than, and then driving yourself mad with, um, you know, living, um, trying not to be completely out Whatever it is to you, so I think it's a powerful thing. I think people need to hear these stories more often. I think um, and that's why we're doing it. So, what's your story?
1: I mean, I, I grew up in a very rural place in northwest New Jersey. You know, not a lot of people, smaller than Saint Olaf. like oh, New
2: Jersey,
1: <laughs> New Jersey, Jersey. Uh, and it, like a farm, farm country, right? Like there, the town itself that we were adjacent to had um, some factories that were closing down, um, but around me were a lot of farms um corn soy things like that and um you know there weren't you know, at my age at that time and this is the early 90s late 80s and early 90s um when i started having these conversations um with friends or or you know towing around it it was like you didn't see anybody that was i mean then it was gay you know that was homosexual Um, Because they all left. Like, I mean, let me tell you, we all left, right? Like we got out. Um, But coming, you know, and, and this is not the coming out part, but like, you know, a decade later, I would go home to see my family and I would look around a little more closely and go, Oh, wait, Jean and Marianne, they've, they live together wait a second, they lived down the street from me for 45 years. And, and and so it was like dawning on me because people weren't out in a way that I experienced when I was in college and, and that. So coming out for me though, was like freshman year of high school, saying something to my mom and the, the white tears, you know, the, what did I do? (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) Because it's, it's, it's a particular brand of crying, right? It's, there's like a there's a character that was part of it. There's a
0: whole book written on it. So
1: and I and I remember feeling like incredibly exasperate, exasperated and and then what did I do? Right, like what did I do? And it wasn't even like loud. It was like I'm not going to tell your father. Like she was going to hold this great secret for me, um, and I was like, well, it's not going to be a secret for much longer. And um and and and, and then I got angry. And I remember thinking like, what, what does this have to do with you? And it was like the first time it started crystallizing for me, this kind of power dynamic that happens when you, when you come out, like people take it, take that moment away from you by making it about them. And, and I'm never really certain how to, how to navigate that. Um, So like, I was, you know, sort of out like, you know, you played softball, you're an art, I'm an art kid, like whatever, you're the weird one. So we can just throw, you sleep with girls on top of that too, right? Like it was all, it was all part of that. And then I went off to college and it was like, okay, I was not there 12 hours and I found myself the first queer union meeting. And I was like, we are going to be part of this. And, and we did that for a bunch of years, um, And then I graduated college and I lived alone. And, and I think that was the, like, I didn't not, it didn't go back in, but it just like that part of me stopped for a while. And I met another artist and who was a man and we got married and he, and I had a kid and then we later divorced. And I've now been with my partner for 12 or 13 years. Um, but what's funny is people are like, you came out a second time. And I was like, no, I I never went back in. There was like this whole set of assumptions around who I was based on who I was with. And there was never the question. And I and I have a really hard time. I haven't had these conversations a lot in recent years, but I feel like these are the same conversations that people who are um, who are femme end up having. Like their queerness gets erased because it fits a particular um, you know, framework, patriarchal framework or, or or these kinds of things. And I and I realized how much power culture has to make you seem in or out, right? Yep. Um, yep. yep. And so, you know, now I'm like, I've been working for twenty, you know, in the same school for about two, almost 20 years. And I'm like, whatever. And I just am exactly who I am. And when I get to hang out with queer kids at school and We we do fun things and and you know I started an organization because I was like well there's got to be more than six of us, so we got to do this. And that's millions that's sort of the story, I mean it's not the minutia, but that's the arc of it, you know.
0: Uh, I think it's interesting too because I only had one moment one moment uh, I decided to find Jesus. Like hardcore, I like went all in. I had the workbooks. I had my own Bible. I took my notes. I got down. I prayed on my knees. I cried. Uh, I got um, born again. I did the whole work. Uh, it brought my dad and myself together. My real dad and my mom divorced years ago, but it brought us together. So I thought, wow, this does work. This is working. But it's the only time that someone was like, you can't be gay and love God and you can't do both. Mm. And I was like, "Mm," I kind of questioned my, I'm like, well, let me think about this. And it wasn't until my mother sat me down on a chair in my kitchen, I'll never forget this. She's like, what are you doing? And I was like, what do you mean, what am I doing? I was like, she's like, what are you doing? I was like, I love God, I love Jesus and I'm doing all those things and it's bringing dad and I together, closer together. She goes, that's fine, but just slow down and think about it, and I'm glad you're and you have a great relationship now, but just just develop it in the way that, you know, she basically is, like, develop it in the way that is authentic, you know, like, find it, and then I gave all that up, and so that, and then I was like, Nah, yeah, totally queer, and if I can't be queer in the church, and then I gave up God completely, and I hated God for a very long time, and the whole idea of religion, and everything, Um, and uh, it wasn't until I met Jason, and I started going to church again, my husband, and um that all started to play spirituality started to come back into my life but for a long time because we separated so much in this world we create these ideas (laughs)
1: yeah and
0: we do there's there's there's
1: uh, this idea I have to interrupt because there's this thing about um you know things can't exist in the same space and time together and like this was the one crazy family moment like my parents my sexuality was like something I had to deal with. They were never the type of parents to say, we're not gonna do anything to harm you, but you know, we're not like we're not gonna show up for P Flag, right? Like they were not, they were not that way. But there was this one moment. I was in college, it was my folks and my brother and I were having dinner together. It was like so very Republican. And and we were eating and I don't know how my sexuality became dinner table conversation. I think my brother brought it up because he wanted to get the spotlight off of him for something. Um, and they made a dinner table conversation. And I'm just kind of, oh, is this really happening? And my dad's like, well, you know, the way that I look at it is that it's, it's for a man and a woman, you know, you have, you have sex to have kids. And if you knew my father, you know that this is like diametrically opposed to who he was as a human being. And my mom was very frustrated and she got up and like the plate slamming you know you can hear like the clink of the the fork and the knife and everything and she got up and just, mm. and I was like so dad what, what do you mean and I looked at my brother I looked at myself and I was like so you had sex twice and my mom is already at the kitchen sink she goes no three times drops the plates in the sink right and I was like wow there there's so much at play here that was like it was all through the lens of what my parents think about themselves and and not and not me. And I was like so grateful I could go back to school in a week, right? Well not
0: lens. it's the lens, you know, it's the lens that they create for themselves. That's what it is. It's for all of us. Anyone that has a coming out story, whatever it is, it's it's the lens that society has created to fit in a certain box that actually doesn't fucking exist. So um for you guys to tell your stories, I mean it's I always say brave and I everyone's like, ah, I'm just being me. I'm like, but it is brave. Like there were people dying to live their truth, literally getting murdered to live their truth. Um, So it is a brave uh, feat to do, Um, which plays into my next thing. And Brendan, we'll start with you. Um, What something you would say to anyone who is in the exact journey of embracing themselves, what would you say to them um, to, what what would you say to them? Because you're 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 embracing your truth. So what would you say to the person, uh, a younger person, or a person that's older? Because everyone's different. In different stages in their lives. Well, first,
2: um, I want to apologize for constantly cutting in and out. You good, boo? Am I good? you yeah. good. Yeah, you're
0: good.
2: Okay, because I have to apologize. My Wi-Fi is so sucky right now. I've been cutting in and out. I don't want it to seem like I'm cutting off anyone. Um, I'm so want to be present here, but the internet sucks. Um, something I would say to somebody who is going through either a similar journey to me or something like us is going to be your best friend uh things are not going to happen to you right away and that's okay uh you are gonna go through years and years
3: of not oh
0: dear
1: oh
0: dear you're cutting out hold that thought you're cutting out, Brendan. Okay. Who you are? <laughs> Who you are?
1: Uh, but let's
0: let's we'll pop, hold up. We'll hold on you and we'll go to Jose. You yeah. I are think. Uh, where you fit in the Hey, Brendan. Oh yeah, I just moved. There you go. Cool. All right.
1: That's <laughs> oh, not going to let me. Anyway, go ahead.
0: It's okay. Go ahead, Jose
1: um I would also
3: say very this much, world, kind of-
0: and that's okay.
1: We, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is a new world we're in.
0: Uh, that's okay, Brendan. Can you hear me, Brendan? You guys, I just did a um a, a live reading of a show. Oh, well, never mind. I'm not going to explain this. I did a live reading of a show called "Do You Read Me?" and it was all this kind of moment. It was very funny It just reminded me of that because I do theater stuff with my kids. Jose, go ahead. Brendan, we'll come back. Um, I was going to say very much, kind of. I think
3: continuing to the point that Brendan was bringing up, right? That uh, this journey is yours and yours alone. You get to define it. You get to 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 fashion it with glitter, with 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 sequins, or or none of the above. Um, and that it's precious. Um, and I think having a support group around you and finding, you know, as we talk a lot about, especially in, 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 in the queer community about the power of the chosen family um, and, and that, that's super powerful and that's super important. I'm coming to realize for me, myself as well, that I, I am blessed that I came out at such a young age because, you know, like you mentioned, There's some folks who don't come out until much later. And so in some ways, you know, I feel like a young person, I'm 29 um, and I came out in the third grade. So then I was like, yo, but in queer years, I feel like I'm becoming an elder. Like I've been living my truth for a long time <laughs> tiger, Real. tiger Real. was like me too. you know and but it feels like I'm becoming like this queer elder and it's also just the fact that I became a titi that just changed my life like especially as a first generation I now have a little second generation baby in front of me and I'm like oh nice, um, yeah yeah but and I, and I say that to say that I think I'm I offer myself as, as someone who can be in someone's chosen family, because I've been privileged and blessed to have lived my life unapologetically, authentically, and everything that I do, I show up as a queer artist, I show up as a queer urban planner, a queer social worker, like it's just who I am. And so given that privilege, I offer myself as like a queer teepee for someone else out there in the world. Um, and so to, to kind of just wrap it up, I would say that it's yours be compassionate with yourself and learn with grace because we we also as queer bodies have to unpack so many generations of being told we're not meant to exist and now that we're living in a sci-fi plot world like this is octavia <laughs> butler narrative right
0: away it know. no matter we do have we <laughs> want.
3: listen i legit have been like really been in awe of of queer bodies and how we embody our our ourselves, our sexuality, our mannerisms, the ways in which, like, things that are not meant to be together. Literally coalesce themselves in one body, and I'm like, yo, now that we're living the sci-fi plot, I'm just gonna be real. Like, I got magical powers. What's up? <laughs> like, I am an extraterrestrial being, and I am okay with that. <laughs> like, I'm here to parent the rest of the world. So, I would, I would just say, you know, to be mindful of the unlearning that it takes as well for, for, for our own sakes, right? Like, this idea of uh, we're always coming out is because we're always unlearning, even how the things that we have to work through, right? Like I had to unlearn the transphobia that I was raised with, right? At a very young age, I had to unlearn the anti-Blackness that exists in gay culture, in Latinidad, and I'm still unlearning. And so in those moments, one, be willing to make those mistakes, be willing to learn and to listen and to be compassionate and always do that with grace because, you know, at the end of the day, I, you know, especially during this time, I'm realizing like I'm building... I identify as non-monogamous, but the only person I am monogamous to is myself. Um, it's a relationship that I'm always building and, 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 and laughing. And I love the fact that I get to laugh with myself. So Mm -hmm. finding those moments of joy is
0: also important. You, I'm so, okay. So thank you. That was really, really nice. I think the unlearning part is the biggest conversation we're already obviously having right now in general with what's going on and, um, We all have to do it. And then we really, really, really have to do it and make a sincere effort on doing it and admit the things you have to unlearn. so
1: much. There's so many generational challenges. It's deep. It is
0: deep. It is so wide and so broad that everyone's like, oh, well, they should just get over themselves. I'm like, it's not a matter of you getting over yourself. It's maybe a matter of you thinking the world revolves around you and only you (laughs) um, and stop being an asshole um but other than that you know it's layers and layers and I like that you say I'm a queer this I'm a queer that because that's how I I identify I'm like I'm queer everything I will literally make a queer city a current queer tropolis I queer 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 I think being queer is the most amazing gift ever so (laughs) Tigra that's
4: that's hard um I really don't think there's anything you really can tell or want to tell people who are about coming out and about their queerness, about that awakening little egg they're going to crack open at some point. Um, I will say, though, you are already going to make people feel uncomfortable by the way you're you're educated, by the way you have a taste in music, by the way you view the world, by the way you walk and your mannerisms. You're already going to make people feel uncomfortable. So like coming out as queer is just the tip of the iceberg.
1: Right.
4: And the way that you engage people into your life is going to be your helping spoon in this world because your queerness becomes an adaptable tool of finding a comfort of comfortability of finding friendship and finding your home with um, a family that you didn't even know existed. Uh, That's especially what it was for me. Um, But I, I it's hard to it's hard to formulate words to what to tell someone young, especially when like when I was going through high school two thousand and six, two thousand ten versus what someone's going through high school now. Like the demographic is so different and the those term gay homosexuality and transgender are words that are actually commonly used on a day-to-day basis on television and radio and books. So there's already so much of an open space of education and how to use those tools to utilize yourself in a position of power that I didn't have. And I would say just for the queer babies who are coming out now or in the future, just rock the fuck on. Yeah, yeah, you already have the tools that you already need. There's already been so many that come before you. There were times where trans people were not on television and now we are on one of the number one shows in the country. There was a time where gay yeah. people weren't even allowed to be in certain rooms of a bar or, uh, or medical care
0: and now we're writing scripts and- Wear writing- clothes, <laughs> like couldn't wear clothes. You had to wear pants, you had to wear a dress, you had to, like, you couldn't- for
4: so like the 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 uh, the barriers that needed to be shattered have already been shattered for you. So now you just need to walk into that light whenever you're comfortable.
0: That's it. Whenever yeah, you're comfortable. Ahead. That's the key.
4: That's gonna be my thing. Is like whenever you're comfortable. Like that's yeah. what I tell any panel I've been in front of, any discussion I've been I'm always telling people, no matter what part of your life you are in, you have to be comfortable with the decision that you are making because 100%. that weight that comes with it, no one else can bear but you.
0: No. No, uh, they can't. But oh, the being comfortable, you guys are saying so much stuff. All of you are so smart um, and and very intelligent. And and I and I and I own that. Um, we are intelligent people because we do the work, and it takes the and we do the actions that that allow us to live our true selves. And that's what I always tell youth. I was like, it's it's and my family. I've had a lot of interesting conversations the past couple of weeks with my family, um, and their whiteness, and so. Uh, but it's the work. Right, and the action. There's nothing you can do unless you take the action. There's literally nothing will be done unless you take the action. You can post things, but it's you got to go further than that. You and you got to have these conversations, and you don't need to rush anything um, when it comes to you personally coming out. Um, It's just a really powerful thing to um, constantly say, constantly, constantly say, because there are nine year olds killing themselves, you know and they're still committing suicide at 9 years old cuz they thought they could be themselves. So that's all that. I mean that's it. So um w- uh this is a really good conversation, but I want I want everybody to know where they can find all of you fabulous human beings. Um Brandon, can you hear me? I can hear you all. Um perfect. The, Just audio,
2: the the videos a little glitchy. That's okay, Bob yeah
0: what well, What was that what tell everybody where they can find you on social media or a website what and the, the next thing the things that you do uh, and the next thing you're doing in your life
2: well you could find me on my instagram at agendior that's a g e n underscore d i o r that was that once was my drag name but now my, my name is please okay. 10 movie points to anyone who could guess the reference. Um, I'll be posting occasionally I don't really keep up so I don't even have the inspiration for that anymore I am waiting to hear back from my place of employment to hopefully start back working on clients again Uh, in West Long Branch. Come, we'll get your hair done, get your makeup done. We'll make you look glam. Um, That's all I have to say in terms of self-promotion, but I want to say to Jose and Tigra that you two are such beautiful individuals and such beautiful people. And I uh, don't nearly put in enough effort and energy into the community and helping everyone as I should, especially because I'm a white person and I don't know where I can put in that's going to actually be helpful. Um, This is a learning opportunity for other non people of color to step back a little bit, learn first and come forward with the effort and energy when you know it's going to be helpful. So I want to take the time to really start learning um, where I can actually be of use and be of help for the cause.
0: Jose. Yeah,
3: um, you can find me on Instagram at Soy Nalgona, S-O-Y-N-A-L-G-O-N-A. And I laugh because Soy nalgona in Spanish or in English means like, I got a big booty. <laughs> <laughs> but you do got a
0: big booty. You do that. You shake that booty on there. I'll
3: say it. I don't care but but here's here's the thing like I I you know I was the shits and giggles you know at first it was like mystic and then it became soy nalgona and then after a while of course you know Instagram became what it is and I realized wait girl like you don't have any numbers attached to your handle that means you're the OG nalgona oh no we're keeping it this is now the brand (laughs) (laughs) um and, and that's what it that's what I do mostly right now um I think the thing that I become starting to get a little bit known for was it's uh, um, something called Monday de Movimientos. Uh, and basically, it was just, it's a practice of every Monday, starting it off with the thing that brings me the most joy, which is dance. Uh, and then when quarantine happened, I was like, I am committing to posting a video every day. And after eight weeks, I was like, oh, no, I'm tired. I can't do this anymore. I'm going to go back to once a week. But right now, interestingly enough, I, I am doing, you know, to, to Brendan's point as well, like the unlearning is is everyone's job, right? There's so much work that needs to happen, especially for me in interrogating what it means to be a first generation Latino in this country and understanding all of those nuances. Um, and so for me, I've always been an organizer and I was like, well, let me know, let me go do what I know how to do, which is organize. So randomly enough, I hosted a call on radicalizing urban planning, the profession that I'm a part of. Our profession is rooted in systemic racism like many professions are professionalism is like you know a concept of whiteness and then I'm like whatever um and so next week I'm excited to host a call called radicalizing social work um especially right now as the conversation is around divesting from police and putting more social workers out on the field um It's important to also hold our profession accountable because we are also complicit uh, in the in a lot of the white saver complex that that exists within the profession. So I'm just you know trying to do my part and unlearn with others and also you know continuing the conversation. So yeah, I'm at um, Instagram as doinalgona and apparently over the last day I people are Twitter is popping off. So I guess you can find me on Twitter (laughs) too. All right under soy la más Nalgona, which is i'm the one with the biggest booty because i looked nalgona and somebody claimed it on twitter and i was like girl but you don't even use it so
0: i was like let me just say i'm the one with the biggest booty <laughs> that's amazing oh my god i love you tigra you can catch me all across the country <laughs> literally catch her all across the country catch them all all um, all
4: I have my own personal website, which is Um, I write blogs on there. Uh, once a month, I put a blog up. Uh, there's my merchandise on there as well. My calendar is on there as well. On Instagram, you can find me at Tiger Thundercat, as well as on Facebook. I don't have a Twitter because I don't know what Twitter is for. I thought you just showed news and stuff like that. But apparently, there's there's more to it. So I You just, do show so <laughs> a lot of it. No, you do show a lot of it. <laughs> I, hey, I when I got on Twitter, I was like, do I just show my boobs here? People like yeah. we were like, no, just commentary. I was like, I do it on Facebook. I'm good. I'm good. I'm doing it on Facebook.
3: Yeah, same way.
4: So you can just find me on face, uh, Facebook, Instagram, and my personal website. I'm always here to talk if you have questions about anything revolving social justice, institutions, systems of power, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and yeah, I'm all over the world
0: you are all over the world all yes. around the world all right
4: so, opened up i've like literally my calendar's already started filling out i'm like okay texas okay florida okay okay all right back on schedule
0: get it that's it that's it oh god please um you know wear a mask if
1: you need to but please get us all back there um well so i, I i'm gonna in conclusion we're gonna in conclude um I wanna thank you for honoring us and honoring all the folks that will have access to this recording down the line. So hopefully bunches and bunches of kids. um, Thank you for honoring all of us with your stories and your particular journey and what that might mean. Um, You know, and, and I'll be telling this at various points through this weekend. The reason I started Making Better for Youth over a decade ago was, you know, it was 19... 98 and 99, and I was reading these stories from all across these country with young people who never even got a chance to make it into high school and find other people like them. Um, You know, such a devastating experience they were having that they couldn't see a future for themselves. And so the work that I've been doing has been around making sure that we kind of are are game changers. and and the organization you know we usually have some events this time of year which we're not having in-person events so that's why we went it's like now this is an opportunity we can't bring people from all over the country to new jersey when we do our little pride dance and things like that so i am so grateful for you tuning in from all over the country to be with us
0: thank you all so 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 much it means the world to me your light and energy is so valuable in this world it's crazy and the way I've met all three of you and Karen actually all four of you uh very different all of you I've met you so I think that's what's so beautiful about the world I think there's different ways to meet everybody and come together and that's why I brought this beautiful panel together so I appreciate it we appreciate it and of course we'll talk to you when we talk to you and have a great night
1: good night everybody thank you thank you Karen Thank you, Karen, for your time and your great energy. Good night, all.
0: (sighs) What a great discussion. Once again, please listen back if you want to follow all those people on social media, their websites, and all that they're doing, and keep up with them because they are amazing human beings. Thank you for tuning in. This is one of a couple that I have coming up in the next couple of weeks before I launch my fourth season, Queer Artist. Original works done by queer youth from across the country. It's very exciting. My list is growing. It's going to be an exciting, exciting season. Of course, I do 10 episodes. And of course, none of this is possible without your listenership. And of course, if you want to become a Patreon... A Patreon, a Patreon, a patron of Quarantine Podcasts, please um, go to uh, patreon.com forward slash Querteen Podcast and uh, give what you can per month a subscription to the podcast. It makes it possible for me to make these recordings, to fly around the world, to do all the things I need to do, to have a website, and it would be much appreciated. Shout outs to my on air sponsors, Jose de la Cuesta and Michael uh, J. Gabrowskis. And, of course, a shout-out to my friend Kate from Make It Better for Youth. She is awesome. She is a light in my life, and I can't wait um, to do more work with her in the future. So thank you for tuning in. And I'm your host, Anthony Giorgio, and thank you for listening to another episode of QT, Queer Teen Podcast, encouraging the next generation of queer youth from across the world to stand up for what's right. And remember, listen Learn. Love.